another mid-year come, another mid-year gone. And we're glad that you're spending this mid-year with the most mid-podcast in America, <laughs> the pod people. I'm Mid-Tease Van Rossum. <laughs> I'm Ben Sheets, and I just shit my britches at the content factory. <laughs> I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I find it kind of sussy. I find it kind of cap. The dreams in which I'm dying are the ones that low-key slap. <laughs> it's a mad god. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a mad, mad pod. <laughs> Dude, I did hey, yeah. it is a mad pod. Well, this is our Truly. our annual mid year catch up where uh, mad year catch up. Yeah, mad year yeah. Uh, and sad this year. Is, this is a mad, mad year and, and sad. a sad, sad and year. sad. Uh, this is the, <laughs> the episode year. when we uh, talk about a couple of uh, new films from this year that uh, we might have missed uh, out of the usual rotation. This episode is curated by Ben, who won yes. the. Uh, the first half of the year's uh, predictions. Victor. Barely. Very, very razor, close. Razor very close. By like a point. Yeah. But uh, Ben chose two films for us. He chose Mad God and The Sadness. And, uh, well, we're just going to jump right in because uh, we got two of these movies to talk about. So first we're going to talk about Mad God. We just watched this a few minutes ago. Uh, is the uh, long-anticipated, uh, 30 years in the making, stop-motion extravaganza from uh, is, Phil Tippett. It's an experience. It it's, is. It's more of an experience than a movie, I would say. Yes. It is a vibe. Um, it's the longest Tool music video that's ever <laughs> been made. <laughs> So accurate. Yeah. Well, a little, I, little splash of Warhammer thrown yeah. in. I didn't fully realize who Phil Tippett was until after the movie ended. I looked it up, and he did like Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. He did the Ed Two Hundred Nine from RoboCop, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite stop motion creatures from a movie. It's phenomenal. He also worked on Star Wars. Yes. Um, but yeah, this movie has been in production for 33 years or something like that since like 1990 yeah something like that 32 um i almost feel like the 30 some years works to its detriment yeah it's hard to yes. live up to that kind of hype like nothing literally nothing is well, is worth 30 it's 30 years, years up. made by one guy and that's that's a really important note. With help, of course, like any. I mean, the credit the the credits were not short. Yeah, there, yeah. he. I, I don't think it's fair to say he made it by himself. He had a team of like ten to twelve animators or something mm, like yeah. that. A couple of editors, you know, plenty of people yeah. doing sound design. And from what I read, this production originally started in 1990, but it stalled for a while until the last like five or ten years. Yeah, so I wasn't in working which, on it for 30 in years. In which it got picked up uh, on a Kickstarter. He had a goal of $40,000. They got like two hundred, something like that. The main thing with the 30-some years for me is I think you can kind of get lost in the sauce of world building. And I think this movie definitely does. This movie is almost nothing but world building. Yes. Which I, is cool... But also, it is like an hour and a half long. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I can only I can with only no watch, dialogue. With no dialogue, I can only watch totally visual world building for so long before I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And, and that's very much how I felt watching this movie. <laughs> there are so many times, because a lot of the sequences are pretty drawn out as well. There's yeah. so many times in this movie where I'm just thinking like, okay, I get it. And that's not to diminish what this movie is, which is truly an astounding technical achievement. It is. Is it much more than that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know... I hate to agree. Like, <laughs> Yeah, throughout this movie, I was thinking of other, like, animated horror movies that I really like. My my favorite stop-motion horror flick is a short called Bobby Yeah, which I, I've shown you guys. Yes. Robert yes. Morgan. It's a lot. Um, it has a lot of similarities to this, right? It it's does. very tactile. It's very uh, textural. I would not be able to watch an hour and a half version of that. Though. Whoa, yeah. Well, see, here's here's another thing um, about Mad God. Not only was it st- halted in production for a long time, but also it originally released several of these sections, several sections of the film as parts. Yeah, yeah that's true. And that I think uh, much a lot. much like um, uh, oh, it's a better movie than Blood Machines, but much like Blood Machines, it would. It really behooved it to watch yeah. it in, in, in sections, yeah. or it would behoove it. Uh, and uh, I think yeah, Blood Machines was originally split up into like six or something, right? It's mm-hmm. like six little short something parts, something like that. Yeah. Um, and this this movie, I think, would have benefited from that. At least I would have benefited from probably watching it in segments. As yeah, well, as it well. almost feels like a short film compilation in a bad way. <laughs> in that, well, I, it's yeah. just kind of. If if there had been more of a, I hate I hate to be the guy like asking for like a direct narrative, but I feel like if this had had a little bit more of a direct narrative thread woven into it, like I don't think that this movie not having dialogue was a strength. This is a really dumb comparison, but like it kind of reminded me of like the opening like twenty minutes of Wall-E, where like the Pixar movie where there's like no dialogue and he's like wandering across the landscape. And when the movie started, this this was my second viewing of it. And when the movie started, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be really cool. I'm super into, like, the no dialogue thing. And about 30 minutes or so in, I was thinking, like, okay, I need something. I need, like, a little Well, well, that's the thing. Like, Bobby, yeah, has no dialogue either, either, which is why I was kind of comparing them in my head. And I think the reason Bobby Yao works for me is there is kind of a narrative through line. Mm. I I think what this one comes down to for me is that the lack of dialogue isn't the problem. I think you could still do that. It's the difference between active and passive storytelling. You don't need dialogue for active storytelling, uh, but this is passive storytelling yeah it's there's, a way to do active storytelling but it's not the way like there's yeah, kind of there's like kind of a protagonist you know there's like this this sort of like minor the description on uh, uh it is uh is calling it the assassin that character i don't know why that is dramatic for what that character is and <laughs> yeah does. but he's like, he he comes down in sort of like a diving bell kind of thing from like the world above into like this you know, strange, horrible hell world. It's uh, got like a World War One era sort of gas mask on. Yeah. It almost looks like the My Bloody Valentine gas mask. Yes, a little bit. Miner's well, mask. I'll tell you what it reminded me of uh, is the Pink Floyd's Wall. 
animated uh, sections. There, there's several like where it shows like World War II era stuff, and there's like people wearing gas masks, and they look more like yeah. like rabbit animals in the tunnels. It's um, kind of, it's it's Warhammery as well. Very, um, very Warhammery. A lot of the same aesthetics of like 40k. But then this character just kind of, like most of the movie is just kind of like him wandering from one hellish set piece to the next, just kind of like observing this world that he's been cast into. Watching as various things get smushed. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's it's like he he gets thrown into this world that is just like one big massive industrial machine but all that it uh the all the machine does is designed to do is like crush weird little guys you know the so much of this movie is just walk from one place to the next here's a weird little guy fucking up another weird little guy uh it's a misery engine yeah like well that's one of the things i do love about this movie is it starts with a Leviticus passage, which I did look it up. That is the passage. Mm -hmm. And um, it is uh, just textbook, wrathful, vengeful, Old Testament God. Uh, You know, if... If you worship anybody, you know, to paraphrase, uh, if you worship anyone else, you will, I will have you devouring your sons and daughters. I will litter, you know, the, the fields with your corpses so that those who come to live there will find it abhorrent, you know, yeah. and I will not savor your smells, etc. Like, and it's just all these, it's just, it's hellfire and brimstone to a T. Um, and just another reason why Levitic, like, I think that the Bible and Christianity would, as a whole, be a little bit more tolerable if you just cut that entire, like, if you chapter just get from rid the of Bible. Leviticus. Yeah, like, there's so, so, mu- so many problems are, yeah, are so right there shit. in that one fucking book. But uh, one of the things I like about this movie is that even as ambient as it is, you can still just take it literally yeah. as this is a world where the Bible is taken literally. And when turns out when you take the Bible literally, this is what you get. And I think that's fascinating. I think that's really cool. Uh, that just like a big reminder of like what the real sociopathically described Christian God is, and like what it looks like. You know, it's a really nice uh, uh, allegory for twenty uh, first century America, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, that's the thing is like it also has a ton of metaphoric purpose mm. and you can much like eraser had past it being an allegory for for a vengeful god like it can be so many allegories and yeah. there's there's a lot that you can graft onto it but at the end of the day what i appreciate is that you still get the literal as well sure um which i i tend to prefer having both you can say like oh yeah like some of those sequences we watched are very specifically in reference to Industrialism, mm-hmm. or uh, capitalistic greed, or manipulation and labor, or uh, the food industry, or you know, you can you can do that all yeah. all day. I mean, it's all facets of capitalism, which is ultimately just a machine designed to harvest misery and nothing yeah. else. Hooray. Like <laughs> misery and death, and we see so much of that, like very very literally in especially like the first like third or half of this movie 
Um, again, though, I just wish there was some kind of like active story that is going through that. I oh, and there almost is. there almost is like yeah. at a certain point, I felt like okay, something's about to happen because like eventually, you know, th- this. Uh, assassin character keeps checking this like map he has so he obviously has some kind of objective he's going somewhere this one ply yeah toilet this paper one ply map. toilet paper map just, it falls apart a little bit gradually more falling apart it's like it he out, yeah. he eventually gets somewhere that i guess he's supposed to go and he like uh is setting like a bomb and uh then he gets like attacked mm-hmm. and captured by you know some weird nasty freak um, one of many. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, we're like 20 minutes in, but finally, like, something's happening, yeah. right? So, like, we're, we're getting some story. Yeah. And then, not really, <laughs> again, yeah. after that. Because, like, he gets captured and gets taken to, like, it's not really, it's kind of like a hospital, but I mean, where they just, like, butcher people. And experiment on them. Yeah, and of. there's, like, an, an extended... Uh, like sort of autopsy sequence where like some doctors come in and cut him open and pull uh, all of his guts out and then a bunch of like coins and jewels and shit like that. And, and the like, doctors are real people? Yeah. yeah. Which is worth noting. There's, like, there's a lot more live action stuff in this movie than I was expecting. Yeah. It's, al- it's almost I, always like brought in like integrated into the stop motion yeah i was gonna say i kind of like how they integrate the the live action stuff i think it's really novel and unique it's it's integrated well um i i wonder how much of it was uh intended to be that way when uh phil tippett first started out and how much of it was like Oh my god, this is taking so long. Mm-hmm. I gotta cut some corners somewhere. Okay, let's get some real people for this instead of <laughs> instead of yeah. stop motion animating I, this shit frame by frame. Yeah, I think in certain circumstances, I think the most noticeable one is the nurse. Because she's her face is only partially covered, and we still get like her very human face, facial yeah, expression. Yeah, she looks like she looks like she's straight out of your favorite movie, Repo: The Genetic Opera. <laughs> the quotes on that, but yes, um, uh, there's a there's a decent amount of that rubber gloves and pulling out organs. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah but the, also the she's got characters... like she's got like heavy sort of like scene girl eye makeup that mm-hmm. was like. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, the other characters though, like the, the like the doctor. In, in, in that same scene, for instance, has those big glasses on that are constantly reflecting mm-hmm. light, and it looks great. It's very anime. Yeah, I thought that, I thought um, that stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. It's all it's very like Helsing esque and other like uh, various anime where they do the fun reflective uh, goggles. Um, and it, they you can tell they put a lot of work into like getting the shots set up to do that. And my favorite character is not stop motion in this as well, which is the strange uh, bird. Gas mask, plague doctor, plague, witch, plague doctor, witch, and it's probably my favorite character like, too, or my favorite design. Yeah, yeah I would think so. Like, yeah. um, if we uh, we share that that love for that aesthetic. Yeah, um, yeah, very much. Because we were both bridge goths at one point in our time. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Ain't wrong. <laughs> I still hold on to a little bit of that. I but. never owned a pair of trip pants, though. No, but we had friends who did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Oh, I won't name names, but losing yourself. Yeah, I, won't, I won't name names, but uh, you know, we're uh, we we come from we come from a certain a certain time and place. But 
<laughs> anyway, um, one thing I did want to note during the the first sequence where the guy, the tra- the assassin, the traveler, is going through the land. Yeah. Um, when he gets to the his final destination on his map, and he sets up the bomb. As he's dragged away, we see that all the mountains going to the horizon are mountains of suitcases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that implication that mountains of people have tried, you know, to to set off a bomb here to try and stop this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was just. Uh... To I, I guess uh, there's a lot to take in. Well, yeah, and also like for me, when I see mountains of suitcases, I just think like the Holocaust. Holocaust yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's because he brought this because the bomb was no, also no, no. In I, a suitcase. You're, you're you're totally right. I just did not yeah. pick up on that. Well, I, I think it's sort of both because like that the the imagery is so synonymous with the Holocaust. Right. That, like I yeah I, I think you're right. But, well, especially uh, considering that so much of that, the sequence leading up to that is him walking through, like, an assembly line of death, yep. which is what the concentration camps were, you know, which Correct. is what places like Auschwitz were. So that imagery is is very uh, forefront. But no, I, I, th- I didn't even catch that, like, yeah... This is just <laughs> many, many uh, attempts to bomb whatever this place is. We, we see later on, too, that like the that same character who was killed and taken off to the, the weird surgical ward, like his goo is essentially used to make another small army of those same guys that are then sent off to do the same thing. So my my thought is they've been trying this for a long time and they've just been trying to stop the whole thing. Uh, yeah, when in they, their own way. When they show the mad scientist sending another one down, I almost thought, oh, hey, this is like, this is a roguelike right now. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Exactly. Kind of. I kind of <laughs> wish they'd, they'd uh, followed through on that a little bit more, honestly. Like, uh, because it's really funny that your thought was around the time he got dragged off, oh, finally, some like direct narrative is going to right, happen something but really like some action is happening that moment marks the end of direct of any narrative right like directly because yeah. like we don't have our our singular character as a through line anymore and i kind of wish that yeah him being dragged off and surgically operated on had been like an interlude for him to us to follow him back yeah. down there and to get more of a personal story out of it and i think that's what it is is like there's there's so much to look at but there just isn't like a personal story no. We need a we need a Virgil character. Yeah. If if you're giving yeah. us Dante's Inferno, we need Virgil, right? Yeah, or, or like, Jennifer Connolly in the Labyrinth, you know, like I just need someone to like interact with the Muppets. Yeah. It's like a face. Yeah. Or, there needs to be some some kind of action happening. And I don't or at mean least some yeah. character with a personality. Mm. Yeah. Like the character is very archetypal in you know, in that like it doesn't really have anything it's just kind of yeah a figure going through the scenery which is cool in video games when you're supposed to project yourself onto the voiceless character that you're playing yeah. even but, then though like <laughs> i'd rather play as a character who's already established like in god of war where you're like kratos is like a guy you know like he's already or or the or the witcher like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it sure. Depends. It, it, it depends. But, I mean, then you've got the most famous example of... Oh, or like Elden Ring, which of, I do love. Yeah, mm. you know. But you've got the most famous example of, like, Legend of Zelda and Link. He's mm-hmm. a, a silent protagonist who you project yourself onto, you know? So, oh, you're right. You're right. 
a lot of the stuff in this movie would be very cool experience as a video game. I was thinking that the whole time. It's like, I would love to, like, have some agency in walking around and exploring this world, you know? If there's not going to be, like, a direct through line, then, like, let me explore it at my leisure. Well, come October, you'll be able to with Scorn, if it's actually coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I think because it's kind of devoid of personality and characters uh, there's so much character and personality in the environment in the world for sure. yeah it didn't really make me feel all that much no again like i i don't want to keep going back to this but bobby yeah what what do you think is in that short that you know kind of makes it so much more repugnant than like something like this because like both of them have very gross things texturally and in terms of stop motion animation well in bobby yeah like you are drawn into that character you know it has like, personality whenever you want, like because isn't there like it's been like a year or two since i've seen it but like doesn't he like really want to push a button or something yeah. that keeps mm-hmm. like inverting him or something yeah yeah like there's there's something really immediately personal about that there's character yeah, yeah. where this movie doesn't quite have that yeah. And it, 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 it kind of to its detriment, I think. Absolutely, 100% to its detriment, yeah. I mean, I, I think that if you're not looking for anything more than just, like, uh, an incredible visual feast, then this, then you've got everything you want from this, but... Yeah. And it's enough for me. Like, it's... I don't think it's enough for five stars for mm, me. No. But it is... I'm quite happy to sit down and have... And, like, just enjoy this... And, like, sketch at the same time or whatever. You know, like, it's sure. the kind of movie I would... That, I would enjoy I mean, this in, like, ten-minute chunks. The, the second half almost reminded me of, like, a nature documentary in some yeah. ways. Yeah, the you second, know, the second half takes kind of a different... Richard Attenborough was narrating yeah. over top. Kind of, kind of like in uh, The Dark Crystal. Just some something to, you know, give it a little grip. Mm-hmm. Like, getting into some of that stuff is really cool. But at the same time, like... It it plays with its pacing so deliberately that it left me kind of bored at times. And it's yeah. it's definitely intentional. Like they they play with time so directly in the movie. There's a great shot where one of the characters is looking at a clock, you know, and it's, Which time? True. There's so um, many clocks in well, this movie. Uh, before he gets operated on. Yeah. And it starts slowing down, and then you see it, you know, tick and tick. And at a certain point, it's ticking between the seconds. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's what you're doing right now. Yeah. I liked that bit. Yeah. It was it, very fun. fun. I, mean, I, I got, it got a laugh out of me, for sure. There's some good comedy in this movie, and I do want to kind of hit it's on... It's got a sense of humor, yeah. Some of the yeah. funny bits real quick. Um, I love I love the the monster that has just absolutely massive balls. Um, it's like a big kind of boar, or like a, like, a, like a bull. Yeah, but the balls are tits. But the balls are tits, and it's just shitting all over them. And its asshole is a vagina. Yeah. Shitting it, it's It rules. It's great. I love its design. I just love stomping people. And at one point, uh, a little, another weird little freak with like a tentacle for a head comes up and like cleans out its butt pussy. Yeah. For <laughs> it. Very kind of it. Yeah. You know? 
Um, it's fucking... It's gross. It's really nasty. It's gross. There's, like, the, the bit where he walks under that, like, hall of giants that are all being electrocuted in the head, and they're just, like, shitting in, like, their entrails out. Shitting like, goo into a, a big bucket, which is then pouring into a funnel, which is being force-fed into the mouth of some other weird, nasty freak. Yep. Or as I like to call it, the content factory. Yes, the content factory. <laughs> um... Yeah, I thought Dis- that was fun. Disney, the <laughs> Disney Corporation. There you go. Yeah. What is consumerism? Yeah. But no, I, uh, I I love that the there's a little brief departure from the wretched visuals where we see the inside of this like kind of scientists, this little alchemists like little flask, and inside is this little like rainbowy world where yeah. everything is happy for a brief moment. Um, and he feeds them worms and like two of the little worm weird people. And like the music that's playing is like this like 1960s parlor music. It's like, you know, that, 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 like, I love it. Like, it's really fun. And they're, uh, they're eating worms and they're just like, he's having a good time. And then like the fucker, like, like opens up a secret door and he lets in a weird spider thing that like eats one of them and like just ruins their bad time. And he's just having yeah. like such a, he's just getting so much joy from watching like his little paradise get fucked up. And I just, I love it because it grabs one of them and it pulls him away. And the other like just lets out, like it's one of the only times there's like discernible audio in the movie where he just goes, Oh no. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's yeah. very good. There's the, when they're going through the factory, like it's just the sounds of like a baby babbling, like making babbling baby noises. And we see like the entity that's doing it. It's got like really na- a really nasty mouth. Yeah. Like everything else in this movie. It's sort of what I picture the events of I Have No Mouth and I'm a Scream look like, too. Just an exercise and just endless misery. Well, there's plenty of mouths and they're all screaming in this one. Yeah, I think they all are. Yeah. yeah. There's some other funny bits. I like when the people are getting splatted by the, the moving obelisks. You know, they're flying through the air and people just keep standing in the wrong spot. Or getting yeah. hit by trains or... There's a lot of that. Yeah. Just like... I, I think it's Little guys good. just getting... It's a montage. over by steamrollers and yeah. a train, and they're setting up some big, like, bricks in, like, dominoes, and then one of them knocks them over, and it smushes mm. some other ones. Just a lot of little guys just getting smushed. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about it until now, but do you remember the, uh, that Mark Twain special uh, stop-motion animated sequence with the scary mask? Oh, yeah, the, the yeah. from the Adventures of Mark Twain, or whatever, mm-hmm. the claymation thing, where yeah. they meet Satan. Satan. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that's, like, what was one of our big inspirations for Clamor, and it stares yeah, back. Yeah, that's and, right. I and, forgot about that. Like, uh, yeah, and they meet Satan, but there's that whole bit where Satan like creates a little world out of stop motion like clay people. Yeah. And and he, he makes like one a king, or the one becomes a king, and they're all living their lives as he's showing this to the children. And then and then he and then he says, Oh, what if I brought on a flood? What if I, you know, did this? And he starts like cracking the earth and they start getting like split in half and they start killing and raping and it's it's horrifying. And it, it, it was just it felt like we were watching like that thirty second bit. For like an hour and a half. Yeah, for yeah. an hour and a half. What felt like two hours. And it's basically yeah. this entire movie. Well, I mean, the the end uh, has another parallel to that where, like, the, the little alchemy gnome and the plague doctor witch, 
smush a baby made out of hair and teeth. Well, it's the into, baby. It, it's the innards of that they the pull traveler. out of the the traveler. Yeah, man, that's that sequence is so long of like the the plague doctor witch just like carrying the baby through like all of these like very cool set pieces, but just like the whole time is just like audio of baby crying yeah. for like five continuous minutes. I wish that they made it more distance. That was agonizing for me. That was so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they they finally get the the baby back to the the castle or baby whatever. Back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> no, <laughs> we've done that already. <laughs> uh, I'll do it again. And uh, yeah, they they crush the baby up into baby dust. And then, like, uh, throw it into a wind tunnel or something, and it creates a universe. Baby dust ribs. Barbecue sauce. Patchoulis. The spice melange. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then the baby dust creates a universe, and we see, like, the planets forming, and, like, life forming, and cells dividing. It's the intro to Uncut Gems. Yeah, it, yeah. Aesthetically, it's very similar, yeah, which is dope. And then you see like a whole city come up, and then some people run and spray a, a big anarchy symbol on anarchy. a wall, and then they get shot, and then the world blows up because of nukes, and it's like, whoa, the whole creation and destruction of the universe, all from throwing some baby dust into the wind. And we see the very end. We see the suitcase again. And we see as time moves, finally, click, it hits midnight on the bomb timer, and a cuckoo clock pops out, because it's Mad God. Wow, and then credits roll. Yep. What yeah. could it mean? <laughs> mad God, probably. Wow. If I had to guess, it meant Mad God. Mad God. It's a mad, mad cuckoo. God. Cuckoo. And it's like, oh, he's not just angry mad, he's crazy mad. Yeah. Damn. Both. Wow. Makes you think. Makes you think, that's for sure. Phil Tippett, this is clearly his passion project. I'm happy for you, bro. I'm happy you finally finished it after all of these decades. Mad vibes. Good job. Um, It is super cool. Will I watch it again? No. I probably will. I think uh, maybe at some point, if I was gonna like show it to somebody and be like, "Look at this cool stop motion thing," look, but at some point, I might be working for a developer that says, "Hey, I want a testicle monster." I'm going to this movie for reference. Yeah, like I, well, like you have much, you have much more utility for yes. rewatching it than better. Yes, I do. absolutely. I do not hold the, your statements uh, against you. You're right. I, I can see you not having any reason to go back to this movie. I have tons of reasons. I'm glad like, I saw, I'm glad I saw it. Like, yeah. I didn't have a bad time. Like, it is, course, it is really, it is, like, a, a really very impressive, like, achievement for, for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's, I think it's worth seeing for that alone, just to, like, see what somebody, you know, even if they weren't actively working on it for 30 years, they were at least working on it in their head for 30 years, yeah. you know? This is a movie where... It, you could play it at an art museum and yes. stumble in and out of yeah. the exhibit and not Absolutely. really miss much. Yeah, totally. And I think walk I would, in, watch it for as long as you want, then walk out. I almost yeah. think that would be my preferred method of seeing this again, is viewing it for a couple minutes at random sections yeah. in the movie. You know, I don't need to sit through the whole thing, because... No. 
There's a lot and not a lot going on. Well, narrative. Slap a rating on there. Uh, this is a three out of five. Uh, once again, beautiful. A huge uh, achievement in terms of visuals, but not much to grasp onto. I'd much rather watch something like Robert Morgan's stuff than this, but you should check it out if you uh, are interested in seeing some cool stop motion. It's on Shutter. Yeah. Solid four from me. I really dug this film visually. So many of those aesthetics are my favorite uh, when it comes to the, the creepy plague doctor witch with the, the, dang, the long-brimmed hat with all the bones and other weird items like dangling from it like down to the ground and the waving fabric. There's some shots of like guys in the snow like cracking things open and all their fabric is moving and it is stop motion mm-hmm. for some of those sequences and it is I found it like jaw dropping. Like I was so staggered by the technical stuff in this film. You're, you're very right. Like, is there no na- there's like no like core narrative. There's no anything else. But like technically, visually, what a feast! What a feat! Incredible. Really solid four. I just I really would have loved it if there had been like a Jennifer Connelly like complaining throughout the whole movie to give me a little direct narrative and or David Bowie stealing a goblin babe away. Yeah, I fall in between you guys. Uh, it's going to be a three and a half out of five for me. Um, like, yeah, I mean, to, to repeat myself, like it's, it is very uh, impressive. Technically, it's, it's cool that it got made, but at the same time, it is also very obviously a film made by a special effects artist but worth seeing i think it's funny you say that because i think that's the perfect segue into the next movie yes because that's also a movie that feels like it's made by special effects artists but in a much different way well yes let's uh let's get into it so that'll give mad god an average of three and a half out of five Moving on to our next film, it's The Sadness. A sad World. <laughs> uh, yes, The Sadness, which is a uh, Taiwanese film directed by uh, a guy named Rob Jabaz. Ben, you were saying that this is loosely based on a uh, Garth Ennis graphic novel. Yeah. Crossed. Uh, Crossed. Yeah, called Crossed. Uh, the, the general premise is... There's a sort of zombie outbreak, um, except rather than traditional walking dead zombies, it's uh, an infection sort of like rabies that makes people lose all impulse control and act on their most sadistic thoughts and impulses. This is a movie where it kind of explores the outbreak of something like that. Yes. Uh, A lot of Crossed explores more of like months after something like that happens and you know people surviving on like the outskirts of things going on Mm. um whereas this is directly you know it's happening right now yes it shows Um, the start of the pandemic yeah which is very on the nose this movie is very very topical they they just straight up reference covid multiple times yeah this is is. this is like set in present day with which i think it's one of the first times i've seen this 
where a movie like is set during present day like coronavirus era and a zombie outbreak happens during it like I, yeah you know i think i've seen some other examples of people like using it as a metaphor or whatever recently well i mean in this obviously instead of covid it is like the virus is the the zombie virus no, but it's happening in a covid world like they do make that clear. Like several people no, do reference. No, no, it doesn't. Are you but, sure? Yeah, yeah. Because the Alvin virus. It's the Alvin. Well, I know virus. that the Alvin virus is like going around and stuff, but I could swear that like there were still some like COVID related. Like, I mean, well, because it, because they masks, are li- because it but like they are literally that's... talking about it like it is COVID. It's yeah, not yeah. COVID, but it's the same thing. There's this. There's a. a, a I, pen- I know all that, but I could swear there was a line or two where they were referencing no, not the Alvin no. virus, but they were also referencing no, COVID. No. I could swear they wear masks and stuff. But, like, that's more of an Asian culture type of thing. Well, and I mean, there is, like, actively a airborne pandemic that, you know, is, yeah. that is, like, uh, you know, spreading rapidly. And they talk about it in the exact same way that, you know, we we talk about COVID. They've politicized the virus. You've got people saying that it's not real, that, you know... Nobody dies from it, that it's not, you know, it's just a bad flu, and that, uh, oh, it sure is convenient that the pandemic broke out during an election year. The government's response to it is not, is not you know, adequate because, you know, they don't want to lose voters or whatever. Like, it, is, it just is COVID, but it's the Alvin virus. And just like COVID, it mutates rapidly into something you know, into other forms, one of which is this rape zombie virus. Yes. To um, call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think the rape zombies, for lack of better term, oh, is a really cool. scary kind of reinvention of the zombie trope. Yeah. Because we've gotten to a point where zombies have become kind of stale. Totally. Like, and not scary. I loved the zombies in this. I thought they were legitimately scary because it's something that we rarely ever see in zombie movies, and that's that the zombies are intelligent. Yeah. That they retain their sentience, that they can speak. It is just, they have lost impulse control and the parts of the brain that control aggression and sexual gratification have become, like, linked. So people who get the virus are, like, aroused by extreme violence. So it's, in a nutshell, what Garth Ennis does best. It's also, in some circumstances, what I find the most insufferable about Garth Ennis. But it is what Garth Ennis does best. And that's where he stops and he says, whoa, let's look at superheroes. Let's look at zombies. Let's look at religion. Let's take this as far away from the light as we can, and let's see if you can still have fun with it. You know, like, are you still enjoying yourself? Because, like, Garth Ennis is, like, notorious for, like, hating comic books, a.k.a. hating fun. And so, like, you know, you, you get that whole deal where he's, like, he's, you know, turning the medium on its head, and he's, it's, it becomes commentary of it. But he also, he's also, like, he's still trying to, like, make entertainment writing. Yeah. You know, like, he's, he's not, like, it's an still, academic it's writer. It's still so, schlocky. Like, it's still schlock. Yeah. So, like, you know, he's trying to... And it's sort of a problem I've always had with Garth Ennis where he's trying to have his cake and eat it, too. And it's why I tend to like and prefer adaptations of Garth Ennis's work to Garth Ennis's work itself. Though, in fairness, I haven't read Crossed. And, Ben, you were saying that, like, it's a little bit more pulled back and has less to do with 
the the zombies themselves and more to do with other characters and yeah. stuff. But the boys, for instance, is just splash panels of gratuity. And I much prefer, like, how the show approaches it uh, with a little bit more tact. To the point where I, I just found out yesterday when I was, like, uh, walking the dog that my mom watches the boys. Wow, and she loves surprising. it. She's on. She's she's more. She's further ahead on the show than I am. Holy shit! And uh, and she was like, "Yeah, it's really violent, but like the story and characters are so good that I just keep watching." It is really. Good. And I was like, Damn, I, have a, I have a know, hard time. A I have a hard time imagining your mom watching watching that scene from the beginning of season three where the dude gets really small and climbs inside the, the guy's dick hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a hard time imagining your well, mom watching that. Yeah, I, I, she, she's fine to watch that kind of stuff. It's just that like you know like she doesn't enjoy it, but she'll she'll tolerate it for like good writing and good story. Yeah. Dad won't. Dad dad's not interested in that kind of stuff. But like in the evenings, mom likes to watch all sorts of violent TV and stuff. Probably she's seen all the supernatural and stuff too. I was just talking to her about that. I had no idea. So you can have a conversation with her. I'll about talk that. with your mom about supernatural. Yeah, so we, but, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, mean, I haven't I've, seen it, so I don't know. That's but, uh, also an, another Eric Kripke vehicle, just like the boys. Exactly. So yeah, so, uh, yeah I guess my mom's an Eric Kripke fan. Yeah. Didn't even know that. But anyway, <laughs> sorry for the aside. She's got good taste. But yeah, so I will say though that you're totally right. The zombies, this concept of zombies, where it's people who are a lot more sentient is really scary. I also don't want to totally credit Garth Ennis for this, because that is also the original premise for the Omega Man. If you, you ever read, like, like I Am Legend, like, the original, like, graphic novel and stuff, it's the same premise. It's, like, they're more like vampires, in that they're very sentient still. And Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not totally original, but it is, I, I mean, even, like, um, uh... But the is Omega it Return of the Living Dead? Uh, oh, yeah, it also... Day of the Dead, a yeah. little bit. With Day of the Dead, but Return of the Living Dead bit. is the is the one where the that's the the one where they need to eat spinal fluid because they're in so much pain. Right? Yeah, that's where they eat mm-hmm. brains, right? Yeah. And they're they're sentient. They talk. There's that great scene where like they kill the paramedics, and the one grabs the radio, and the ambulance is like, "Send more paramedics." <laughs> yeah, you know, like so. Yeah, I mean, sentient zombies is not a new concept, but man, it sure has not been like in the zombie zeitgeist for like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not done enough. And, and like in this movie, it's, it's done so well. I think the zombies, the zombies are so scary in this because I mean, they're instead of just like mindless eating and killing machines, like they obviously get joy from what they're doing and that's what's scary about them is the glee they have at committing such like horrendous violence and what's so creepy is they can get creative with it too yeah like the first kill we see is an old lady like a grandma taking a like a fryer and throwing it over someone's head and just getting all this hot grease melting and, their face. And, and while it's pull, melting their face? Pulling, yeah. like, the skin off his face yeah. while it's melting. Holy shit, man. The the gratuity in this movie. Like, this is a fucking exploitation Once film. again, yeah. like I said, it feels like it was made by a special effects artist and much like Mad God, but in a much different way. It's a feast of practical yeah. effects, literally, so many good. It's crazy. I, I and it's I would strung together love, with a core narrative too, which is quite nice. I yeah. would love to know how many gallons of fake blood they went through making this movie yeah. because it is insane. Bucket. It's so and bucket so gory. Like and this the is budget. If you do, if you have wow. a weak stomach, this is not a movie for yeah. you. Well, just like I'm. 
I'm just amazed that I haven't heard more about this movie. Like, it has such a big budget. Because it's a fucking, because it's a fucking foreign film. It's yeah. insane to me. Because like it's so like from from, from a much theaters. from a much smaller, lesser known like film industry. Like I, I don't know. I I don't know if I've ever seen another film from Taiwan. Honestly. Yeah, I I think uh, this might be my Yang first. Well, wait. Does some, but he makes very artsy, art housey type movies like Yi and. Uh, stuff like that, but uh, this is my first Taiwanese horror movie. I'm pretty sure it's fucking awesome. The biggest feat about this movie is, from what I understand, they made this during COVID. It was obviously like a time where COVID wasn't really in Taiwan as much, mm. and it only came in after they finished production. But still, having stuff kind of isolated and made during COVID directly yeah. is such. An impressive feat, especially for the what scale they're able of some to of this do. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't feel it's not it's not by any means like a single location, like small isolated cast kind of thing. The kind of like you think of other films that they made during COVID, something like In the Earth, where they just took a tiny cast and crew and just went out in the woods and made a movie. You know, yeah. like this does not feel like that at all. No, it, this feels like like COVID aside. Any one of these sequences could be the climactic sequence in a big budget film. Yeah, yeah. Any one of them could could it's, be like the final big blow your load like crazy. explosive sequence. It's crazy. And then, it's just, has, there, and then yeah. there's just another one like that, and another one like that. Like wow, like what if? Yeah, really. A feast. Nothing. Nothing about this movie feels cheap. No. No. No, and it, all. It, it all lands. Even from the first shot, we get some amazing CG of, like... Oh, yeah, it looks so close good. Close-up, like, Fuck. bacteria. Yeah, I mean, they do your typical, like, zombie movie intro over the credits of, like, CG of, like, viruses attacking healthy yeah. cells and, like, replicating and stuff like that. But this is, like, the, like, cleanest, like, best-looking CG I've ever ever seen of a sequence it, like that. Yeah. I, I've said it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, the, you don't have to do something original, you just have to do it well. well. Yeah. Just yeah. do it good. It's like, I have seen this, yeah, you're right, we've seen it, the virus intro a billion times. Yeah. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. they've all done it, and uh, like, you know, for decades, or whatever, like, since they've had the technology to show it, and before, it's been a thing, and who cares? It looks fucking awesome. Like, this is, yeah, it looks this yeah. is like so the best I've pretty much the best I've ever seen it done. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. was stunned, uh, really and earnestly. I think so. It's funny. It's really funny that you you mentioned that it's only loosely based on Garth Ennis. And again, I haven't read Crossed, but I feel like this captures the spirit of Garth Ennis's work better than any adaptation I've seen of his work. In the gratuity, in the, like, just overwhelmingly exploitative content. Yeah, it feels like a, a return to some of those old-school, like, Cat 3 Hong Kong splatter movies. Stuff like... Like even, Golden Harvest yeah, stuff? Yeah, Golden Harvest, and even, yeah. like, to an extent, stuff like Gailan uh, Lem Chan's uh, movies, like Ricky O and stuff. Mm. But, like, on a modern, massive budget. 
Yeah, and it, it, there's brutality to it, but there's also like a wicked sense of humor, and I think that keeps what it from feeling nihilistic. What is really the heart of the movie. Like it's really funny. Like this movie has some really funny moments. It is, but it's not jokey. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like it's. It's funny in how over the top it is at times, and like certain like very funny sight gags. Yeah, um, like, like you said, very Garth Garth Ennis. Yeah, you know? well, it's yeah, it's it's Garth Ennis humor, which is like powerfully edgy. Like you know, a character gets their eye hole like poked out. And then later on, someone fucks their eye hole. Like yeah. it's yeah, that, it's Garth Ennis. That's not so much what I was talking about. It wasn't funny. That's not very funny. It's, no, well, as much I, as well, I don't. I don't find it funny. But like it's the it's the, it's Garth Ennis it's humor. Absurd. You know what I mean? It's absurd. Yeah. yeah, somebody getting somebody getting their eye hole fucked by a zombie. Yeah, but um, the gag that I think of that I think had us all laughing the hardest was. Uh, Later in the movie, when uh, one of the protagonists is, like, holed up in a hospital, and she's lost her phone in the commotion before, so she's, like, trying to get the security guard to, oh, give, her, to give her his phone, <laughs> and he's, like, being really weird about it, and, like, he doesn't want to give her the phone, and she's like, god damn it, like, give me the fucking phone, and he does, and, uh... She's like, she takes it and it's locked. She's like, unlock it, and he's kind of like slowly unlocks it, hands it back to her, and we see that his uh, his uh, background on his phone is just a huge pair of anime titties. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> just like, like in, in the midst of like all of this like absolutely grotesque violence and gore and bloodshed and like sexual depravity and horror to just like have that moment where like he hands her the phone just like big cartoon titties on it's so <laughs> yeah. so funny it's really funny it I, is. I, they have a couple really funny asides and like just one-off set pieces too like the the baseball players is one oh, of my yeah. favorite sequences where our main character, one of our main characters, comes across these uh, sort of zombie baseball players who are all just beating the shit out of this guy with a bat. Well, no, yeah, they're they're picking him up and they're like ramming him crotch well, first. Well, yeah, into at first they're just hitting him with their bat, oh, and then leaving. they yeah. pick him up. And do that. It's very jackass esque. Oh, yeah, well they, they find said, they yeah. find some barbed wire and like wrap it around the pole and then pick yeah. him up and run him crotch first yeah. into it, it was really funny, Ben. Yeah, when like they all picked him up and they're about to ram him in there, it's like the whole group of them in their baseball shirts and you're just like, I'm Johnny Knoxville and this is jackass. That was good. That was and a like, good it's, it's like it's, like, horrifying at first, too, because, like, when you first see him, they've got him, like, tied up, and he's, like, really, like, horribly beaten and, like, bloody and stuff, and then one of them just, like, cracks him over the head with the baseball bat, and it's just, like, awful, and then they start doing that to him, and then, like, the protagonist shows up and, like, fights them off, yeah, and, and, he's, them. and he's going to, uh, like, see to the guy, and, uh... The, the guy, like, says, like, why'd you stop? I was about to shoot my load. And we see that he's one of the infected as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's just like, oh, God, what the fuck? Yeah, that's the worst <laughs> case scenario. Um, and to me, like, that that's what is, I think, so deeply horrifying about the, these zombies is that they don't really need, like, quote, like, living flesh or they don't need people to 
be around that they'll still try and do horrible things to get their kicks. And, like, it, the idea of, like, basically just turning reality into, like, this awful Bosch painting. People are just, like, doing the worst depravity to each other, and they're all having a great time. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, like true loss of humanity. Why this movie called The Sadness? All the zombies are smiling the whole time. Well, I think it's it's a, it's about the duality is it, is of it. it. Is it because all the Cause people are sad? Because we're, we're sad. Yeah, yeah that, they're, that they're happy. They're ha- and they're happy that we're well, sad. Tease, would you prefer it if they named this movie The Smile? <laughs> that movie's coming out later this year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? It's a bad name. Yeah, the the sad the sadness is a much more uh, evocative title. I mean, uh, for I, it's, sure. it's not a perfect title. Like you're right, it doesn't really conjure like. I mean, it doesn't. I don't movie. feel like it really suits the film. Yeah. But like it it is it is an evocative title. Yeah. The, and the and sad, it does the sadness. It does work. It might just might not work as well as like. Blood fever. I was wondering if it's called the sadness in Taiwan or if it's called something else. Oh, yeah. There's something lost in translation. Yeah. I don't know. know That's a good question. Sometimes worldwide international titles can be kind of weird. Yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes they'll (laughs) they they change titles strangely. Um Yeah, well I mean also like the the first we we see it when somebody gets infected. The first sign that they're infected is that they shed a single tear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. and they get yeah. black eyes. Yeah, I like that. It, no one ever says that in the movie. It's just shown and yeah. seen, and it's not. We see it. We just see it a few times. Yeah, right? and like I don't know if there's ever a time where a camera like goes all the way up to someone's eyeball and we see the tear, or if it's just like just something you kind of notice throughout the film. I like that. I, I thought it was like just the right amount of like it was confidently showing it, but it, it wasn't like overblown. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked that a lot. Well, uh, we gotta we gotta devote some time to talking about the the best and scariest villain in the movie, the train pervert. Oh yes. yes. He's introduced when uh, one of our protagonists is uh, on the train on her way to work, and he's just, like, a creepy guy who sits next to her and, like, tries to strike up conversation. She's not really digging it, and when she sort of tells him, like, to leave her alone, he starts getting mad and talking about how, oh, I'm just trying to be nice, and you're just a dumb slut, and look at all these people on they damn phones, you know? Like, I'm just trying to be... chips and lines. I'm just trying to be... I'm just trying to be friendly on the train, and all these people be on their phones all the time, you know? Yeah, and it's his own little boomer insult rant. Yeah. Which yeah, is funny because, another like, thing she's just reading this movie, it's, like, very on the nose. <laughs> um, but uh, then somebody else on the train... Just, I think that's actually one of the first times that we like see the the tear, uh, like the single tear. There's like somebody on the train; they've got like the sunglasses on, and it's like we see them shed like one tear, and then they take out a knife and just start like stabbing people, um, just willy nilly. And I then, love that. and then, like, mm-hmm. sort of the 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 sickness spreads, and other people start like uh, stabbing people and like ripping them apart and stuff, I, and I really like raping each other. And yeah, well, I don't like that, but I do. I do really like how you kind of infer that a lot of these people have already just had the had the uh, like the other form of the virus, and it just takes a little bit of it being in the air for it to be like activated, you know? And so like these people like on the drop of a dime can just go from normal everyday happy standard citizens to 
like the literal worst of the worst, yeah, like I, actual demons. I actually really love how it's never completely clear how the virus is spread. Yeah, it's just yeah. you know, yeah, it's airborne or bloodborne. There's some sort of form this virus is there spreading. Are, there are a couple and, of times where like one of the zombies will like throw up into somebody's mouth or into like their open wounds or yeah, something. Their open foothold. Their open footholds. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, no, I agree. It's like it's not it's not really clear it how it's it spread. Scarier. Well, yeah. and also like it that you know, considering that this was this movie was made sort of like at the beginning of the pandemic, that sort of like tracks too because like we didn't really know how covid spread like we knew it was airborne but like remember at the beginning of the pandemic when people were like sterilizing their groceries and shit you Mm. know and so uh yeah i like that like the the vectors for transmission are kind of nebulous yeah well and it's it's so interesting because one thing i really love in this movie is you see the governmental collapse yes. that happens around it. On the TV, most of the channels have like an emergency signal on, mm-hmm. but some of them are just showing cartoons. Someone uses the emergency broadcast system, like PA, for the town to talk about how he's gonna uh, fuck all the women and cut all the men's dicks off or something like that. Um, yep. And then we get the the presidential sequence later, the presidential address. Yeah, um, which is maybe my favorite scene in the movie. That was a pretty good one. That was fun. It felt like they were trying to make him kind of like a like a Trump like figure. Like he didn't look like Trump, but. Uh, I noticed they had him do a lot of, like, very specific kind of hand gestures and stuff, and he's kind of, like, loud and buffoonish, Um, so I I feel feel like that was uh, also a little bit on the nose. But then again, you know, I don't know anything about, uh, like, politics in Taiwan. I don't know if they were trying to, like, make him be an analog for some uh, political figure over there. Who knows? but yeah, the the like five star general who's with him uh, is infected and uh, takes a grenade and shoves it in the president's mouth and pulls the pin and his they do a they it just is a scanners yeah. they just they just have his head explode it uh, on it's so good yeah on national television it's fantastic. I mean, I'm sure they did the effect the exact same way they did with Scanners, yeah. where they built a, a dummy and shot it from behind with a shotgun. Yeah. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, and at times, like, this movie definitely has some shades of Cronenberg in terms of, like, those older splatter Cronenberg movies like Rabbit or uh, Shivers. You can definitely see the lineage there. Um, Shivers, yeah, I can definitely especially see in that. Yeah. Some of the practical nastiness of it. What did you guys think about the uh, the the two main characters? I think it was Jim and Kat. Jim and Cat. You yeah. know, um, I think it really helped that there was a language barrier. Um, I think that their their physical acting was very good. Obviously, we can't really speak for the delivery uh, because of you know the language barrier, but. Um, there are certain circumstances where I think that can really help in a narrative, and when it comes to, like, a core zombie narrative I've seen a billion times before, this is one of those circumstances. It, it helped for me. I liked them. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought, like, I, I like the little bit that we 
get of them at the beginning, some of their their day-to-day life, you know, help them yeah. feel like real people, real characters. Mm-hmm. You know, then they get separated, and then a lot of the movie is them, like, trying to, like, get back together yeah. uh, in the midst of the, the crisis. I, I think this movie really takes advantage of the kind of slow buildup at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, the first 20 to 30 minutes, they don't really show their hand in what's to come. And instead, they you know, focus it on building the two main characters as well as kind of building the environment. He talks to the neighbor, for example, who later shows up in the apartment um, as a zombie. Cuts his fingers off with a pair of garden shoes. Which is just brutal. Yeah. My favorite part is he picks up one of the fingers and And starts snacking on it. Like a Cheeto. Yeah. Um, Like a Cheeto you dropped on the floor. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I liked that a lot too. Um, yeah, I think I think they they give you just enough at the beginning that we like care about our characters, so we're invested in their stories and what happens to them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it I think it carries it well enough. I mean, I think at a certain point, like the movie really becomes about Cat, and I feel yeah. like Jim is kind of forgotten a little bit. Like he's still present. I'm with that. Well, they kind of do like that, that intentionally, yeah. yeah, because of the the bit at the end. Yes. But. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a fun sequence too, uh, where she's trying to she's like fl- uh, fleeing up a staircase to get away from the the zombies, and because they're pervert, like wretched murder zombies um she's able to like well you get the vibe that she's just doing it so she can run faster i don't think it was like her being resourceful um but she takes her shoes off and throws them behind her no she had before she started running she had her shoes off they were just sitting there and so when they came in she just got up and started running right left the shoes behind oh okay sorry and uh but what i love is that she Yes. One of the zombies runs up and it grabs her shoe and just and starts, starts inhaling from it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, and like, because they're pervert zombies. So it's it's like the idea of like perv caltrops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? It's like really funny to me. Um, so yeah, I just, I got to kick out of that. Like, it's those, those little, like, you can't have those kinds of attention to detail with regular zombies that we haven't seen a billion times, right? There's so only so many ways you can have like, a corpse walking around with an axe already in its yeah. head or something. You know, like, that's been done a million times, in a million very good ways. Sure. But, uh, and bad. But here, we can, there's so much more you can do with it, with any of these zombies. So you can give all of them personality, because they still have them. They yeah. haven't been reduced to nothing. They've just been reduced to their worst selves. So, like, and they're, each, each... they're clever, in, too. Yeah. yeah. And, like, what I've always loved about my favorite zombies are the special ones, you know, like it's, it's always, especially in video games, right? Special infected yeah. mm-hmm. left for dead with the smokers or the tanks or the witches or yeah. in, uh, the last of us with the clickers and all the, all the, everything that has an ER at the end of it, you know? And like all of the different types of zombies is what I love. And with this kind of zombie, Every zombie is a special infected. Yeah. And that that gave it a lot of new life. They've all got their own personality. Mm. Well, and 
so you know that that allows us to have a, a kind of real villain character like the train pervert because mm-hmm. like he gets infected on the train and he like chases you know cat and the other girl that she's with but then he shows up again later at the hospital he's the one who like fucks the other girl's eye hole yep uh <laughs> and then he shows up a third time as well for a nice bit of rule of threes at the, you know to yeah you know mm-hmm. to chase her down one last time uh, and then she uh, fucking bashes his head in with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, um, it's very irreversible esque. Yeah, giving in to uh, to her violent nature. Yeah, well, he has the line where he says, you, uh, "You're just you're like just me." Just like me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a little, fun. Cl- little cliche, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It's, it's sort like, of a fun embracing of the cliche because, like. In a lot of movies, this is the moment where a villain says, you're just like me, and the hero goes no and proves them wrong. But here, she's just like, nah, fuck it, and just, like, still bashes his head in. And I, because, like, yeah, she has to survive. And, like, we all know that she's not just like him. So it's it's fine and funny. It's just him being cliche. It's a scary thing about about the virus, too, right, is that, like, it's not just, like, rabies. It doesn't just enrage people. It's, like, it just taps into like their nastiest selves like it doesn't turn them into monsters it just lets out the monsters that are already in all of these people so she sees too that it's like i could become him you know yeah Mm -hmm. well when the there's a doctor character later in the movie and he explains it as you know these people probably still know what they're doing is bad they just can't help it it's like blinking to them yeah you know and that's in itself horrifying yeah that they're all trapped behind their own eyes yeah yeah slaves to their own impulses Mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought up the doctor because uh that sequence is one of my few real problems with the movie yeah i thought that shit went on for way too long he that doctor character does way too much monologuing like it doesn't necessarily feel solely like an exposition dump like you get the idea that he's been like locked in this place like doing his work for a while mm-hmm. now so he hasn't like had human interaction so you know when she shows up he wants to like talk about all of this stuff that's been like running through his head i get that but also it's kind of boring <laughs> i i did not particularly give a shit about a lot of that and it just and it goes on for like 15 minutes. Yeah, I, like, I like some of the mechanics of it, but I agree. If they trimmed it down a little yeah. bit. Like, like, him, I mean, I like having a like, shower, and it's like it's actually a chemical bath, which you never mm-hmm. see. Like, it would, in a lot of movies, it just would have been like a detoxing shower, but it's like it's a proper chemical bath. And I thought that was cool. And when yeah. she finds the zombified baby in the trash can. Mm-hmm. The, the he's zombie like, like, baby subplot was kind of weird. It, yeah, it felt kind of half-thought. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that the the image of her, like, opening up that trash bag and seeing, like, the baby with, like, the zombie eyes in yeah. it is, like, that's kind of creepy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's locked himself in the, he sealed himself in the maternity ward, and these babies were going to die no matter what, so I figured I might as well inject them with the virus yeah. and see if any of them are immune so I can harvest their antibodies. That, you know? that subplot felt very out of cross in that, like, it's... It's so shoehorned it's talk in. about man's inhumanity to man, 
you know, using kind of the the virus as a scapegoat because yeah. oh, if I don't, the uh, the zombies are gonna fuck these babies and then eat them is what he says. So, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and he's like, well, and, you know, there's not enough food, so, like, they're either going to starve to death or they're going to get fucked to death by the other zombies. So, you know, it was, they were going to die anyway, so I might as well use them for science. Whenever I hear a line like that in a movie, I just kind of ask myself what I'm doing here. <laughs> like, why am I here? What is yeah. going on? You yeah. know, I feel well, like my, my brain just is like a System 32, like, reboot, where I'm just like, do 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 And what, that feels, what is going on? And that on? feels like such an afterthought, too. Like, it's not necessarily. That's a hell of like, a thing to be an afterthought. He uses yeah. it. He uses it as like an excuse because, like he he injects her with the virus. You know when mm-hmm. she when she's not looking, like he comes up behind her because it's like, oh well, you might have you might be immune or whatever. And it's like that would have been enough, right, for him to just be like, you might be immune. I gotta take this chance. Like you're the only person, like not infected person that I've seen. Um, so we, I gotta see if you are immune or not. And then it's like, they add in the stuff about, like, him experimenting on the babies to make it, like, mm. more horrifying, but it's not really necessary, and instead it just feels like, like a weird, uh, like, just, like, added shock value. Yeah, yeah, it's the only moment in this movie where it felt like they were being a little needlessly edgy. Like, mm, yeah. just edgy for the sake of edgy. Like, this movie is definitely very edgy. Don't get me wrong. Is. Yeah. But it's, for the rest of it, it feels artfully done. And, you know, kind of with a sense of camp. Yeah. A lot of times. To the point where it doesn't feel... In the same way like a classic exploitation film yeah, does. Exactly. Like, it's It's edgy, and it's gratuitous, and it's graphic, but it knows what it is, and it leans into that. It has a sense of humor in some of the absurdity. But, yeah, uh, yeah I agree. that the, the stuff with the babies is like... This is like real edgelord shit. Well, it, it's, and again, like it goes back to my. And not particularly thing. effective either. Like it's no, no. like it's a little un, it's a little off putting, but like I didn't find myself like disturbed by it. But I but it felt like they were trying to like yeah. really disturb you with that one, right? You know. Mm. Well, you know, and that's that's uh, so much of Garth Ennis. <laughs> Going back to that again, like he just Garth Ennis is a it's, huge edge lord. It's like okay, I get it. I'm here because I signed up for edgy, but like you made this, so like, are we are we doing commentary? Are we wagging our finger or aren't we? Because I really yeah. don't know anymore. And that's that same whole well, that, deal. That's the thing. This movie, uh, as good as it is, like it's completely lacking in subtlety in most every regard. Like the COVID stuff is very on the nose. Mm-hmm. The pervert on the train is very on the nose. You know, it's like the baby thing. It's all very on the nose. Uh, and so, like, it's just uh, at, at those times, it kind of like shows the cracks, I think, um, when otherwise, like, the rest of the movie really excels in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, and again, yeah. like, I feel like this movie is a movie made. By special effects artists, first yeah. and foremost, where the narrative, yeah, there's some some cracks in there, but as a showcase for amazing yeah. practical effects, stuff uh, I haven't seen before. Unlike unlike Mad God, the difference is that like the practical effects showcase in this are exciting. 
Yes. Like in Mad God, it's like it's very technically impressive and the attention to detail is really exquisite. But it's like in this stuff, it's just like every one of these sequences is exciting Mm -hmm. and fun. And uh, in that regard, like I have no complaints about like the narrative maybe not being the strongest, you know, because especially like once the once the action and like the gore kicks in, like it doesn't really let up. You have a few down moments, but like it's mostly just fucking up 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 and that's another reason why the whole doctor bit at the end i thought was so boring because it's like that's at the end of the movie where we're supposed to be coming to some sort of climax and instead we're sitting in a freezer talking for 15 minutes you know yeah yeah and the the climax that does come after that is pretty fun yeah like you get the the finale of the train pervert you get the well, the train pervert happens. The, she dead. kills him before the doctor. It was the other people the behind room. the door. Yes, yeah. yes, and uh, but the the boyfriend is is yeah, revealed. Yeah. The boyfriend is as the well monster. as the death of the doctor, which yeah. I thought was great. He gets uh he gets his foot chopped off and then uh, vomited, on. vomited on too. Yeah, and yeah. his final words are, "He enjoyed killing the babies." Yeah, because he's being infected yep. uh, at the last minute. So he's showing his, his, I guess, his true colors there, yeah. I guess. Um, well, yeah, and then, like, the reveal is that the boyfriend is infected and, uh, you know... Honey, I'm home. Honey, I'm home kind of deal. And she locks him behind a gate and, uh, you know, she asks him how it feels. And he's like, it feels wonderful. And then he, there's kind of this moment, it's like, I need to be with you, like, you are my, like, I felt, I didn't feel like I had purpose before, but it feels wonderful because I have purpose, you're my purpose, I need to, like, be with you, and it's like, oh, is he maybe, like, a good zombie? And he's like, I need to be with you so I can cut your tits off and peel your skin. And uh, and then it's like, ah, nah, he's a monster, too. See, that's what I find so horrifying about it, right? Like, there is a sense of humanity mm-hmm. to these zombies to the point where you aren't sure completely there where you know you couldn't really do that with a completely mindless zombie. it's just like the most extreme wire crossing yeah you know? mm-hmm. i thought that was neat yeah. and then afterwards i guess she runs up she runs up and... onto the helipad because the the doctor had called like a military evac or whatever but uh we hear like gunshots um so presumably she ran out there and it's got shot sort of that cynical fashion bleak. yeah zombie ending it's all for nothing yeah uh the sadness (laughs) so when it comes to and then it ends with a fucking awesome grindcore song yeah by a taiwanese grindcore band ashen i looked them up later hell yeah they sound dope uh it's kind of grindcore i can get down with normally grindcore is a little you know for me but that was seemed really solid so my thought to kind of close on my end my whole problem with a lot of this stuff is often going into it, it's like, okay, am I, is my finger, are we wagging our fingers or are we enjoying this, right? Do I enjoy the exploitation or is it commentary on horrors, right? Which is it? The best exploitation is both. Both. And, and really, like, yeah, you just have to get past that and just enjoy it and not, it kind of teaches you to not feel bad about those things, even though it's also 
making commentary on how bad those things are. And so it's like, okay. Yeah, but know. it's proven that you're that you know, you you get some sick pleasure off of this stuff too, you know. It makes you think that, you know, maybe there is a nasty little freak inside me, just like these other zombies, you mm-hmm. know. The freak within. Yeah. And I uh yeah, the, and the then freak on a leash. Once you get past that, it's great. It's fucking awesome for the 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 freak on a leash. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I uh, overall, I yeah, I, I adored those. I thought I thought it was great. Rate um, it. You know, the problems with this movie are fairly minor. the The doctor sequence isn't that long, and it's not the worst. Again, any scene with action in this movie could be the climax of another great movie that I love. Yeah. Uh, I, I it'd be really hard for me to rate this lower than like a four point five. Frankly, it's it's very good, it, and it's close. It's close to a five, even. Um. It might not be a five for me, but like, god damn, like, what a, yeah, what a, what a phenomenally well, well made, well produced film. Ben? Yeah, it's a really clever movie too. There's so many little details that like are utilized that I don't see in other movies. For example, even in the doctor sequence, she's trying to figure out the lock on this phone. And so she breathes on it to see kind of the outline, the pattern of the that, pattern yeah. that he uses. That and was I, it's like so many clever details in this movie. I think I'm going to give this a four and a half as well. I I was really on the fence between four and four and a half. Some of the edginess uh, was a little much, but at the same time, like this movie is a blast to sit through, and yeah. like. Compared to movies that have so much gratuitous, disturbing content in them, like stuff like a Serbian film or the human centipede, like this is so much easier to sit through. Mm. Um, because again, it has, it's less mean spirited. Yeah. It's less mean spirited and it has like a wicked sense of humor to it. And like people are saying like the marketing for this movie said like, one of the most disturbing, depraved movies of all time. And, like, it is disturbing. Depraved more so than disturbing. Yeah. I think it's too fun to be, like, really... Like, it it absolutely has moments of being disturbing. Yeah. Extremely depraved, though. I will say, I think that's to its benefit, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not real people. Fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) In the eye. I don't care. They're not real. It's a movie. Yeah, um, for me, you know, I, like, probably, like, the first half of this movie, I was sitting here watching it thinking, this is probably my favorite film of the year so far. As As it went on, I did lose some of that. Like, but only a little, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I thought a lot of the stuff with the doctor was just really boring, and like the baby thing was just like weirdly edgy, and just like the the number of times that they were just like really ham fisted with like the contemporary commentary and references was just like a little too on the nose for me but overall i i did still really like this movie a lot it's not my favorite film of the year um but uh it sure was a great time it's going to be a, a a strong four out of five for me um which will give it an average of 4.3 out of five this one also on shutter yes so if you have shutter Definitely big recommend uh, if you like uh, really gory, crazy, 
exploitation-y. Movie certainly isn't for everyone. No, if you got a weak stomach, uh, probably skip this one. Damn if Shutter doesn't have like a really nice catalog. Shutter yeah. always has a good catalog. Man. They show up, man. Like um, that's for sure. Yeah, if you get repulsed or offended easily, this movie no, probably no, not is for you. Not for you. But if not, fuck them in the eye. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I sure felt like this movie was fucking me in the eyes at times. Yeah, but um, in the best way. Well, consensually. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, uh, good picks, Ben. This was, this was a yes. good. This is a good mid-year catch-up. Uh, I, I was very satisfied with with this one. Tease. Yeah. What would you have picked if it had been yours? Um, I was also going to do Mad God, and uh, I probably wouldn't have picked The Sadness. I would have picked a film that was almost certainly much less interesting. Uh, I was going to pick that movie uh, that came out, like, really early this year that we saw a lot of previews for, The Cursed. Like, the the weird, like, Victorian, like, werewolf movie. Oh, okay. Because, like, we saw so many trailers for that. I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? So I was curious. Mm. If I I went into the year, I might still pick it. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But, like I said, almost certainly much, much, much less interesting than the sadness. So Mm. uh, I'm I'm happy to have lost this one. Yeah, we were... Honestly, a little slim pickings for new movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've seen most of the new movies yeah. that have come out of no of no. What would you have picked, Cleve? Well, I uh, would have also picked Mad God, and then my other pick would have been <laughs> would have been Shin Ultraman. <laughs> I think I really I uh, I've been really wanting to watch it. I, I that and and I still haven't seen Shin Godzilla, and I really should. But it's, we gotta do we gotta do Shin Godzilla for the yeah. podcast. Oh, we haven't. Oh, oh yeah, yeah that'd be a great one. Well, twenty twenty three. We'll have, cool. uh, we're not yeah, doing sequels. Um, yeah, I, I want I want to do Shin Godzilla at some point, and I think uh, I I love like Ultra Q and Ultraman and like all the the ultras, uh, and I think that. Uh, the idea of like the same guys who did Shin Godzilla doing like a Shin Ultraman could be extremely cool, like people getting stepped on and shit. So we'll see. Not not sexually, but like by a giant man. Why are these people so obsessed with people shins? Is that one directed by <laughs> Hidetake Anno as well? I or? believe so. Damn. He's the guy who did Neon Genesis. Ooh. He's, he directed Shin Godzilla as well. So. But it may that, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. Maybe. I feel like I feel like it's a duo or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, I need to I need to see. I feel like there's more to it. But anyway. Yeah. Just look it up. We need to wrap this up. Yes. Uh, next week is Ben's pick. Ben, what are we watching next we week? We are covering the classic sequel to one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Gremlins. Uh, we're doing Gremlins 2. The You're new not batch. a Christmas movie. Not yeah. a Christmas movie. The, the new sequel batch. Is not. The new batch. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I love I love Gremlins 2. I haven't uh, seen it in a really a long I've time. I've never classic. seen it. You're going to love you it. You are yeah. going love to it. adore well, it. Well, I love OG Gremlins. I've seen it like three times. It's going to blow your nips clean off. Sweet. I can't wait. It's a much different movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but... To its benefit. I almost... I'll save it for the podcast, yeah. but I almost think it's better. Wow. We'll, we'll, I, I, we'll talk about I agree that more. With you. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, next week, Gremlins 2. Don't miss it. Uh, sponsor time. Sponsor time. Ooh, what's coming this week? Sponsor time. Looking through the sponsor show. Don't be meek. 
I had to rhyme something with week. All right, here we go. This is a long one this week. Uh, I, I just pulled it off the shelf, and a scroll came out, and it's fallen across the floor and draped over my feet. Um, and I need to read quickly because the scroll is now catching on fire and yeah. burning my feet because it's written in some sort of weird uh, satanic writing. Um, uh, the... <laughs> This episode is brought to you by a quirked up white boy with a little bit of swag busting it down sexual style. But is he goaded with the sauce? <laughs> Who knows? He could be. <laughs> Look, it's a quirked up white boy busting it down sexual style. But is he goaded with the sauce? <laughs> is he goaded with the sauce? Buy it and find out. Find out next time <laughs> on a quirked up white boy. Busting it down, sexual style. With a little bit of swag. With a little bit of swag. Goated <laughs> with the sauce. <laughs> Alright, that'll that'll do it for us this week and this mid-year catch-up. Uh, if you like the show, why don't you leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to honorary pod boys, Sam Simon and Zach Confer, without whom we would not be what we are. Thank you, boys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets, but I also want to say get a Shutter subscription. It's oh, absolutely yeah. worth it's it. Worth it. Yeah, Do it. Totally. We're not sponsored by Shutter, but Shutter, if you're listening, we would though. Yeah. yeah. Dread XP, go check out their stuff. Uh, you can also find you know uh, t- uh, us t- regularly tweeting about uh, it stares back on, uh, but you can also find the X stares back Discord as well as other things. But no, go to Dread XP and go uh, and check out all of their super cool games. Uh, I've worked on almost all of them in some capacity. So, um, uh, yeah, there's there's some extremely cool stuff. Uh, I think next on uh, slated for launch uh, August second is going to be Mortuary Assistant. So go look into that because it's extremely cool. And all the other cool games. Dread Delusion just launched a week or two ago in early access. It's fucking. It's a banger. There's so many cool games. You heard them. There's so many cool games. Well, thank you for listening to our cool podcast. Thank you for being with us for this mid-year catch-up. And until next time, just remember, there's no need to be sad. 